what I've done now is the sprint. I did the chemo. I did the surgery. I did the radiation. But now with this portion of the therapy, I'm in a marathon. And I think it's okay. I think there's so many factors that women um, choose to take it and choose to not take it. And I think uh, just kind of like weighing out your pros and cons and then being confident in your choice, I think is so important in whatever way you decide to go with treatment. Hi, everyone. Welcome to season two. This is Shauna. And this is Rosalina. And we're your hosts for Too Young for This Shit podcast. This podcast is not just about boobs, but a journey with cancer. We are young millennials open about giving you our raw and unfiltered look into our lives. We are in no way medical professionals, nor are we offering medical advice. Any medical references are cited directly from public websites or from our personal diagnosis. Some topics and stories may be triggering to those who are fighting, have fought, or have loved someone with cancer. Hi, everyone. This is Rosalina. And this is Shauna. Welcome back to the Too Young for the Ship podcast. Today, we're going to talk about our journey through hormonal therapy. Shauna, Let's give the listeners your update first. I'll just give like a quick recap of what I was on before I give my update. The day I started chemo was my first Solidex shot. And I was on that through chemo and up until middle of radiation, I ended up feeling like very achy, feeling very fatigued, like having a hard time like walking, having a hard time with like joint pain and just like overall not feeling great. So I talked to my oncologist and she had switched me to the Lupron shot. Had my first Lupron shot the beginning of November 2021. Between November and January, like right up into the new year, my last Lupron shot was the first week of January, having even worse pain on the Lupron. Again, I think it was a whole combination of finishing radiation, coming off radiation, and and just active treatment. I was miserable, crying all the time, in pain all the time, barely able to walk, barely able to function. I like had made the decision in February that I didn't want this in my body anymore. I was like, I'm done. I'm not doing this shot. I walked into my oncologist's office, basically knowing I was going to refuse this hormone shot. Like, and, you know, I had done some research and was like, you know, I could take the tamoxifen instead of the hormone blocking shots like Zolidex or Lupron and just still do my due diligence of being on a hormone blocker, just not that, not those. And uh, so I walked in and basically it was like, I'm not doing this shot. I was actually very annoyed even going to get the shots. It's not like a quick thing. You have to go every 28 days. You have to go, you have to get your blood work done. You have to sit there, wait for your pregnancy test to come back negative. It's like this whole thing. It's not like, and it it take, it took me like two hours of my time, like missing work and, you know, just like waiting for like the approval from my oncologist that I can get this shot every month. And it was like, that was annoying me. And I was just kind of like, just, I'm done with this. My last shot was in January of 2022. A lot of people are wondering about this. Um, Since you're off the medication, you know how it takes a while for you to get your menstrual cycle back. So can you tell us a little bit more about that? Yes. So like I said, my last shot was January 5th. You have to get the the shots every 28 days, right? So I was due to get mine first week of February when I went in and refused it. So I had asked her, like, when is my period going to come back? Like, when do I know that this is out of my system? And she said, 
it could take up to like three months to get my cycle back to, you know, to have it be somewhat regular. And I was kind of like, they make us run here on the 28th day. This is what also pissed me off. Schedule you for 28 days to get your next shot. But meanwhile, this shit stays in your system for three months. Why am I rushing Mm -hmm. here to get here on this one particular day for this shot when it stays in you for three months? Yeah, they just want to take precautions and and make sure that you're suppressed like all the way. I know. It's just like. Yeah, I don't know. It used to like piss me off because then I'd be sitting there, I'm, like trying to you know like work around my work schedule because I'd be there on the 28th day. Like, yes, annoying. So my last period was about two weeks actually before I started chemo. She was absolutely right; it was three months, and it's so weird. I got my period literally the same day of my last period from last year. No way. Yeah, it was weird. Oh, wow. Like the month. So yeah, I, had, that weird. I had literally like a year of like exactly a year of no menstrual cycle. Before breast cancer, I was on the um, Nuvaring and I was on it since I was 17 years old. I loved it. It was like my, and my cycle was always regular. Like I never had cramps. I never had excessive bleeding. It was just like, I would have like my period for like a day and a half and that was it. Like it was so consistent, easy, like clockwork. I never really overthought it. I never experienced, I would PMS, but like, I wasn't even like, like I was never like crazy, you know, like I'd be hungry the week before I got my period. That was basically, and then like a little cranky, but like, not like, there was nothing crazy. It was like never an issue for me. Like I would like hear people that were like in bed for like three days, you know, my, my, my sister being one of those people just like cramps and really uncomfortable and like puking. And I'm like, I've never, never experienced like a period like this. It's not going to lie. That first, my first period back, I did have some cramping a lot longer than the periods I've had in the past, but like I haven't had any spotting since my first period. And honestly, it felt good. Like I felt like I, I know this sounds like so crazy, but like, I felt like I needed to bleed. Like I felt like I needed it to happen. It was like cathartic. I meant like everything was like, I think I just like needed, it was like needed to literally shed it. Like I just needed it to be done. Like it made it very real that like this shit is out of my body. And I think that that for like from a mental standpoint, um, it was like a good place to be in. Yeah. As the months were going on, I felt like better. I felt like way better. My joints were looser. Felt even like the brain fog. I it was getting like progressively like lessening as the time was going on, and I just kind of kept feeling like a little bit more like myself. Like I felt like like myself before having breast cancer. I was so miserable in the beginning of the year. Just felt like I was coming back to life, and it was just like a really great feeling. And I was still meeting with my oncologist as the months like went on, and just like checking in every month, still getting blood tests and. The plan, you know, was to like start tamoxifen, but they wanted the lupron out of my system first. So they've been supportive. They're not like pressuring me into being on something like they, I think they would prefer that I've, that I'm on some sort of hormone blocker. Like it's not like this urgent thing where they're like pushing me to start it immediately. So that has also, I think been helpful because I've really been sitting here and weighing whether or not I even want to be on anything, which I know is, I don't want to say reckless. I mean, it could be a reckless decision, but after just like the year and well, I guess now it's like 18 months for me of being diagnosed. Like right now, this is June, 2022. Like, I just feel like I'm a better version of myself. I'm a mm-hmm. happier version of myself. Like, I mean, don't get me wrong. Like chemo brain is still like very, very present, but like not as like full blown as it was, you know, the last couple of months. I'm able to walk. My joint pain is like lessened significantly. 
I am just now like definitely more cautious about like what I'm putting into my body. I'm exercising daily. I mean, whether it's like I'm getting on the Peloton or am I, I'm just walking around New York City, like I'm being active, I'm eating right. I am, I've lessened my red meat. I've lessened even drinking. And I am really conscious of like stress, like keeping myself in low stress situations. I've changed my lifestyle so much that now like I'm using that also as like a preventative way to prevent this coming back. And right. I'm really in like a mental struggle of like, do I, am I going to start the tamoxifen or do I want to just, you know, not and be happy and enjoy the the quality of life that I have? You're right. And it's, you know, do I want to do, is it going to be quality over quantity, you know? And it was hard too. I really went into like deep dives into tamoxifen support groups, deep dives into, you know, just every breast cancer support group, like kind of being like, if you didn't take hormone blockers, did you have a reoccurrence, you know? And then, or if you did take hormone blockers, did you still have a reoccurrence? And every person is different. Like, you know, I have used those support groups to find people that are going through the same thing as me or like, you know, you're trying to find things to relate to. And it really was like, you know, like a mixer, right? It was such a mix. It was like a real 50-50. There was women that were like, I refuse to take it. And, you know, I'm five, six, 10 years, you know, cancer free. There's women that were like, I was on it for five, five to seven years and I had a reoccurrence. It's different. I think everyone's lifestyles are different. Everyone's like situations are different. Like yes. The amount of stress people have, their family dynamics, environmental and dy- dynamics. Like there is no like one size fits all women on hormone blockers. Are, it's like there's different factors. There's different factors. Like it's not a genetic factor for me. So now it's a product of my environment, whether it's where I live. Yep or what I'm putting into my body food-wise or medications that I was on, you know, like birth control pre, like there's just a lot of different factors. So I I think that also, like I literally was like, I mean, up like two to three o'clock in the morning, like really doing these like dives on these support groups, trying to figure out, you know, like what are my chances of this coming back? And then there's the breast cancer index. Yes. Which- The test, yeah. I don't know how I feel about that. Well, I didn't do the test. I did the calculator. There's like an online calculator. Got the number from my oncologist of like the percentage of risks of it coming back. I think that that is also, it can be very helpful and very harmful, those numbers. I mean, I can share what my percentage was after chemo, after radiation based on scores. Like, do you know what your percentage is? Was I don't. Mm-mm. Okay. So mine, it came back as 33% which is high. I mean, 33% is a high percentage that it might come back. Yeah. And, you know, I don't want to like obsess over that number. I don't want to obsess over cancer coming back and causing stress in my body so that it actually does end up fucking coming back. Right. Mm -hmm. You know, I've had my surgery. I have my implants now. Like I just feel like I'm ready to like close the door on at least like my treatment and surgery portion of this program. And I just want to just start to like live my life the best way I possibly can. I'm going to be honest, I'm leaning towards not taking anything and just being really, you know, Mm -hmm. my plan is to just really, really be on top of seeing my oncologist. So I was supposed to see my oncologist this past week, but when I got there, my, um, my cancer center was on fire. (laughs) It's It's no joke. She's not not joking. joking. (laughs) It's just not joking. joking. (laughs) It was real life. I got there and it was like, seven fire trucks and they wouldn't let anybody in the building because there was a fire. And um, 
you know, it's so funny because it's just, it just seems like very on brand for my life. Like my life is just, <laughs> just fucking chaos all the time. Like I think I, I told, I texted Rosalina and like, I, I told you, I went spoken to you and I told you about it and you were like, wait, what? Yes. I, like, I don't know why I get shocked anymore. I, know. I laugh because I just feel that it just happens it to does. you. Like for whatever reason, it, just happens and I just can't believe and, I it. I mean, it truly <laughs> does. Like, there's nothing. And even I think saying it to you, like, yeah, my cancer center was on fire. Like, no, there's no emotion. There's no reaction. It's just like, no. it was no. another Tuesday, you know? <laughs> like, <I don't> know. <laughs> it's so ridiculous. But yeah, so that was my appointment with my oncologist. <laughs> maybe, maybe it wasn't meant to be because maybe like you're not supposed to talk to your oncologist yeah, that I day. There was definitely some higher power being like, don't go there. <laughs> you're good you're good this month you're gonna revisit it next month and you know what i'm okay with it i think i'm at like a, a piece with my decision for now at least you know i'm not saying never but i i think for right now as long as like i'm doing my part of taking care of myself to the best of my ability and doing my check-ins with my oncologist and as long as like they also are feeling like I'm doing everything I'm supposed to be doing I think I'm okay right now with with not and you know I don't think everyone is going to respect my decision or my choice and you know some people might be like she's fucking crazy and you want to know what I might be fucking crazy I don't know but for right now like I missed I missed me like I missed myself before mm-hmm. this. We've talked about this. Yeah, you didn't feel like yourself. I didn't. When I was, you were I was a meds. shell of myself. Yeah. I, I like think about who I was in January, February, March, and it's sad to me. It's sad to me that like I got my PET scan and I was cancer free, and I couldn't, I couldn't even bask in it because I was so fucking miserable. I couldn't even enjoy it. I couldn't even let myself enjoy mm-hmm. it. And like I'm looking at it now and being like, it, it was sad. I just feel. I felt like I feel sad for who I was back in the beginning of the year and I just I was like in a real depression I think like my symptoms were even like it was pain but like a met from a mental standpoint too I mean I don't think I've ever been as sad as I was eating cancer I didn't even care Mm -hmm. at this point I was just like what's the fucking point and that was a really like sad place to be also because your body couldn't tolerate those medications like I feel like it was just even worse I just felt like my body was just constantly failing me, consistently Mm -hmm. and constantly failing me. And it also scared me too, because, you know, a lot of the doctors now recommend hormone therapy for 10 years, especially in younger breast cancer patients. I had felt like I had the body of an 80-year-old. What was I going to feel like in 10 years? I I think I'm at a peace with my choice of how I'm going to handle it for right now. And, you know, like I hope that there's like no judgment from anybody, you know, like of just how I'm planning, you know, how I'm choosing to to move forward and it's going to have to be quality over quantity at this point and you know what hopefully i'll live a very fucking long time but if not i'll live until that time comes and that's just you know where i'm at what you're feeling is valid 100 percent valid because everyone's body is completely different Mm -hmm. and if you can't tolerate the medication yeah then why even continue them to suffer That shouldn't be the case. I mean, from what my oncologist mentioned is like her benefit obviously is for me to be on another medication, but she basically said that if you can't tolerate it, we'll switch or like we'll have like another plan. You know, the medication is not there to have Mm -hmm. you like suffer to the point where you can't fucking walk. Absolutely. And I think just because I wasn't even on the full combination, you know, I was supposed to take, you know, a pill with the Lupron shot and I 
I couldn't even get to that point. And there's a lot of women I read in those groups and these women are like, I'm miserable, but I'm not, I'm going to suck it up because I have children and I want to see them graduate high school, you know? And I like see that a lot. And don't get me wrong, those, those breast cancer groups, especially the integrative health ones are very judgy. Like it makes me, some of them, the posts make me feel uncomfortable how people respond. You know, there's women there that are like crying, basically like putting out cries for help of like, I'm miserable, I'm miserable. And there's women that are like, suck it up. You want to live, you want to have a long life, suck it up. And it's just like so blunt and it's so dismissive. Yeah, I've seen those actually too. Symptoms and Mm -hmm. it's just, there's a lot of that. And it's like, I don't think, I think it comes from a good place. I think some people are about that, like tough love. And I say that in quotation marks, but the goal is to to have a long life. The goal is to live, like to go, the goal is to survive. And it's just, maybe people don't even realize that. And it's the internet, you know? So it's like, yeah, there's no, you don't get to tell the tone of that comment. When you go through breast cancer, you're pretty sensitive about (laughs) whatever people say to you. So true. I know that's true. How are you doing on your hormone blocking journey? I guess I'll just give like a quick update and then I'll get into my journey this year with hormonal therapy. I feel good currently today, but I have struggled in the past few months just with the side effects of hot flashes, the stiffness in my right hand only, not my left, just my right hand. <laughs> and sometimes I do get knee pains as well. And um, sometimes I don't feel them at all. And then other times it just gets like, so bad that like whenever I stand up, it's just so hard. But I am tolerating the drugs well, other than those things. But with my journey thus far and what I've been going through, and I'm just going to tell you about my conversations that I had with my oncologist thus far. But before we get into that, I just want to give you just an overview of the certain medications of hormonal therapy that I'll be speaking about today in this episode. Aromatist inhibitor, which is a pill form of a medication, lower estrogen levels by stopping an enzyme in fat tissue from changing other hormones into estrogen. Just estrogen can fuel the growth of breast cancer cells. We all know that since... Shauna and I are both hormone positive. The medication eliminates the production of estrogen in your fat cells as well. So there are three different types. There's anastrozole, letrozole, exumestane. These drugs don't stop the ovaries from making estrogen. They only lower estrogen level in women whose ovaries aren't making estrogen, which is why they combine Lupron with this medication. I know Shauna talked about the Lupron injection, but let me just give you an overview of what that does. So it shuts down the ovaries and stops them from producing estrogen. So there is less estrogen to fuel the growth of the hormone receptor positive breast cancer. So overall, it puts you into menopause. Currently, as it stands, with the combination of the aromatist and Lupron shots, Their current protocol is to take these medications for the next five years. Another medication that was just FDA approved to be used for early stage breast cancer is called CDK4-6 inhibitors. And 
these are drugs designed to interrupt the growth of cancer cells. So these drugs are taking in addition to the aromatase inhibitor. So the drug that was FDA approved to be used for early stage breast cancer is called Resinio. Now let's get into my journey. I've been taking the Lupron shots at the start of when I was doing chemotherapy. We've done that so I can preserve my eggs because we still wanted to take precautions. Even though I did my fertility and I preserved my eggs, we still decided that for just precaution purposes, we're going to be on Lupron. From when I started the Lupron shots, which was May of 2021, until I met with my oncologist to talk about hormonal therapy and the next steps, which was in December of 2021, that was about like eight months. Some of the side effects while being on Lupron is just lowering your drive for sex and intimacy, hot flashes, mood swings, joint pain, the stiffness in your hands, knees, etc. In the beginning, when I was getting injected with these Lupron medication, I was feeling a little bit of a mood swing, but I think that I don't feel any like mood swings anymore. Um, the only thing that I, I do have in terms of side effects is just like the hot flashes, um, lower libido, and joint pains. So when I finished radiation back in November 2021, that was a time, you know, three weeks later when I would see my oncologist again to discuss hormonal therapy options. Even though we've spoken about this way early on that she would recommend doing AI plus Lupron, you know, there was just a lot of things going on and we didn't really get into the specifics with that combination. And so Again, this was just a meeting to talk more in depth about my options. As like my viewpoint of hormonotherapy and such, this was not a meeting I was looking forward to at all. And when I look back to the first time I discussed hormonotherapy at the beginning of my diagnosis, I was a complete mess. I was horrified that my quality of life would diminish and I wouldn't recognize myself. I remember crying myself to sleep and thinking that my life would be over once I start taking this medication. And so since that, like I was terrified of the meeting that I was about to have with my oncologist three weeks after completing radiation. On December 3rd of 2021, I met with Dr. Master. And my partner, Brian, came with me because he knew how nervous and scared I was. He also compiled some questions that he wanted to ask the oncologist, as, um, and I also did as well. The first thing that I spoke to my oncologist about was the symptoms I'm experiencing with the Lupron shots, which was the joint pain and the stiffness in my right hand. And then also in my knees. Dr. Master mentioned that over time, I would start feeling joint pain because of the Lupron. And she mentioned that there was nothing. She said there was not a lot of 
things that you can do. She did mention I can try glucosamine, which is a supplement. And she mentioned that about 20 to 30% of people find a benefit from using that. I um, actually haven't taken that supplement at all, but I just wanted to mention that in case someone else who's listening to this might want to. But of course, ask your oncologist first. Wait, she said for hot flashes? For joint pain. And she mentioned that once I start the aromatase inhibitor, we can anticipate like my joint pains and the stiffness in my hands to get worse. So obviously I was not happy to hear that. And I was terrified again. So here was a plan. She mentioned that, you know, will keep me on Lupron injections monthly until my estrogen levels are adequately suppressed and then potentially switch over to every three months. In combination with the Lupron, we'll be on the aromatase inhibitor. So one of the three drugs that I mentioned, which she actually prescribed me with anastrozole. So that's the first and only pill medication that I've been on. Then eventually, after she sees how I'm doing, how I'm tolerating the aromatase inhibitor, will eventually go to the CDK46 inhibitors. The other part that she mentioned with the Lupron injection was that they were now going to check my estradiol levels, which is through like a simple blood work, just to make sure that my estrogen levels are adequately suppressed. She did mention, which I thought was really interesting, that she finds that in women, particularly under 35, Even though chemotherapy suppresses ovarian production of estrogen, about six months post-chemotherapy, the estrogen level will slowly creep up despite being on Lupron. So I remember just like reading on the Facebook support groups that there were some women whose estrogen levels like creepily like spiked. I was concerned about that. So that's but she like mentioned that it that could happen. The other thing we talked about was monitoring bone density. She mentioned about starting to take calcium and vitamin D supplements because the medication, the rheumatism inhibitor and the Lupron together lowers my estrogen levels. Estrogen is what supports our bone health. And so to mitigate bone loss. She wants me to adequately take calcium and vitamin D to support my bones. In the beginning of January, I took a bone density scan, just an x-ray of my bones. It's recommended to do every one to two years just to keep an eye on my bone strength. Your bone health really declines rapidly because you're put on menopause and these medications. She mentioned that bone loss takes a long time. It's not something that happens overnight. And it's after having low estrogen levels for an extended period. By taking the calcium, by taking the vitamin D, by doing like the strength training, we're doing that now, you know, to prevent bone loss in in the future. 
She also mentioned what I thought was interesting is that our bone health declines at the age of 25, so very slightly. But when we go through menopause, we see a sharper decline. I had a bone scan um, and a bone density scan back in September of 2021 after chemo. I had arthritis and the start of osteopenia. And that just runs in my family too. So uh, that was like another, I think, contributing factor of like, I want to continue doing Right. This. Yeah, exactly. The one thing I, I did ask her because I was super curious of how to read the bone density scan test. When you look into the bone density test, there are like different um, factors where it's like your gender, how old you are, et cetera. But there was like this one part called T-zone is what she's actually looking at. And it's when you're postmenopausal. So she mentions that if the T-score is less than negative one, then that's considered normal. But we'll need to monitor, you know, bone loss every two years. I thought that was useful information, especially when I'm reading the scans myself, um, just to make sure that everything looks fine on, on my end. So one of the questions that Brian did ask was just about recurrence. How can we capture breast cancer recurrence? Like what are the protocols, I guess, that they do in their practice? And basically she mentions that you know, if you feel any symptoms like abdominal pain, headaches, I guess just like constantly, and it's not like, you know, um, in and out, it's it's more of just like a constant thing, then they'll do imaging if I feel any symptoms. The other part, which I thought was interesting was that she says, if you look at the guidelines for breast cancer routine, imaging isn't recommended. It hasn't never shown to improve survival. So basically they'll only do imaging if I feel any symptoms, they're not going to do it just because, right. um, which I found that to be super interesting. The other thing that she mentioned, you know, she was kind of like painting a picture for me. She was just saying, what I've done now is the sprint. I did the chemo. I did the surgery. I did the radiation. But now with this portion of the therapy, I'm in a marathon. It's a great analogy. I know it is. And she mentioned that now with this hormonal therapy, this portion is to prevent recurrence in the next five years and late recurrences because these cells are less active. If a recurrence were to occur, you can see it even after the five-year mark. And she says, what we know about hormonal therapy is that after five years, there continue to be a benefit even after like the five-year mark. In my viewpoint, I thought that it was to prevent recurrence just in the five-year mark. I didn't know like it could also help after you complete hormonal therapy. And lastly, I just want to mention yeah, in this fine. meeting, I mean, again, we, we talked an hour and just asked so many questions. But one thing that I asked her was how many women in her practice decided not to take hormonal therapy? I really just wanted her to be completely honest. And I'm not sure if she was, but this is what she said. She mentioned that 99.5% of all women take hormonal therapy in her practice. And so interesting. I asked her, I said, so their quality of life have, hasn't decreased? Like I was just 
mind blown with that percentage. Yeah. I thought this was a, a very strong ending to our conversation. She said, it is going to affect your quality of life 100%, but it will also save your life because it prevents metastatic disease. And so, you know, like what can you say after that? You can't argue with that case. Right. Because, you know, I was just like you, Shauna. I was thinking about not being on hormonal therapy because I didn't want it. Really? I didn't want, yeah, for sure. There was, yeah, I had a slight moment that I didn't want to take it. Oh, okay. A slight moment. Because I was going to say, like, I don't think I've ever heard, I mean, we talk a lot and I never heard you ever like express that you're like, I'm considering not doing this. Yeah. Maybe because I talked to Brian more about this, but yeah. Well, yeah, that's like, it's also like a very personal decision. But I also think too, it that I think the reason we were both also on the shots during chemo was to, to save our ovaries to like help protect our ovaries yes. like it, yep. know, down the line we ever do want to have children you know so I think that that yep. was a kind of a no-brainer for the both of us uh, but I didn't know that like after that you considered not doing it yeah I did I really did consider and so that's why I asked her that question because yeah. I wanted to get a deep dive into like tell me the truth like are women like not doing okay with these medications during this point, right? Like I just felt defeated. I felt that like she was marking off like a checklist essentially, right? I went to that meeting like very fired up already and very uncomfortable that I left that meeting feeling distraught and angry. But actually listening back, because I recorded the conversations I had with her, and now listening back to our conversations, the way that I was listening to her, I thought she was being very cruel, like not cruel, but like very like cold and mean. Um, But when I actually listened back to our conversation, like she did not sound that way at all. And I think I just got in into my head that she was just being super cold, but she spent like an hour with me explaining about these and giving me just useful information about just everything that just goes on with hormonal therapy and um, any questions that I had, she just answered them pretty thoroughly. So six months later, I had that like perspective of her in the beginning and now my perspective has changed. Well, I know. It's just they never tell us what we want to hear and that's really what it comes down to. Now I feel like I feel a little bit bad for oncologists because I feel like they get like the short end of the stick from most patients in that sense, you know? To be honest, like I... I despised her. I literally despised her. And there was a moment... Actually, it was it was that day. It was December 3rd. Because I felt she was being so cold. And, and in my mind, I thought she was being short with me, which actually she wasn't at all when I listened back to the conversation. But there was just a part of me where I really wanted to get under her skin because she was getting under my skin. And I wanted to say something so badly that would be so hurtful to her. But I didn't at the end of the day. And I'm so glad I didn't. 
that would have came like out of left field for me. (laughs) And I think that would have totally broken up our relationship for sure. So I didn't take the medication until like one week after. So like December 8th, I was like kind of uh, trying to prep my mind, prep my body for the unknowns of taking this medication. Absolutely. I met with my oncologist a month and a few weeks after. So I met her on my birthday, actually. (laughs) I met her on January 26th. I know, right? (laughs) I was like, you know what? I like, it doesn't fucking matter. I'm just going to meet with her. We talked about the side effects. I still had the stiffness in my right hand. But overall, I did mention to her within that one month that like I felt fine. Like I felt okay. But she did mention that the side effects can get worse until about eight weeks. And then often it gets better than that, which I disagree with her on that because it fluctuates for sure. Like There are moments where I feel totally fine and, you know, I could bend my knees and, (laughs) you know, all these things. But there are other times where I'm like, oh, shit, when I like, I don't want to get up. It hurts when, you know, I do do like a simple exercise. And then I did have hot flashes. I mean, I've always had them since having Lupron. But this conversation was to talk about the next steps. So obviously she wanted to know how I was tolerating the anastrozole. But the next steps, if I'm doing well, is to talk about the CDK46 inhibitor, Resinio. And I did so much research about this particular drug. There were, I think, like maybe few women in the support group, in the Facebook support group that were taking them. But I couldn't really find any information about how women are feeling and blah, blah, blah. It's just a very new drug for early stage breast cancer. Yeah, I was going to say it's, yeah, it's, I think it's pretty new still. Essentially, you know, when Dr. Mass was like, okay, so let's talk about Resinio. And then I said, I already have my opinion about this. <laughs> she was like, okay, well, let's discuss it. Tell me what, what you're thinking. And I told her, I don't want to take it because I don't want to be immunocompromised. It can lower your white blood cells. There are a lot of side effects. And I'm worried about mixing this medication with my current medication. Valid. Uh, yeah, I've heard some of the side effects are, are really, un- like, can be really uncomfortable. Yeah, like diarrhea and shit. Like, Forever. oh my God. Forever. Yes. Consistent. I can't. No. Yeah, no, I know. I also mentioned there's only one study for early stage breast cancer. That's not enough for me. And she did mention, yes, there's only one study. We only have a two-year follow-up. So we don't know if the benefit would be substantial beyond that. And she says that does raise a question for her, you know, as an oncologist and other oncologists because like they want to see that significant benefit. They are questioning, is there survival benefit of taking this additional medication with the aromatase inhibitor that you're currently taking? So I was happy in the sense that like she wasn't pushing this drug on me. And obviously I, I would like put my foot down and say, this is a hard no. Yeah. But I didn't mention to her that like, 
I will still keep my door open for this medication, but I need more information. And maybe if there's like more studies about this, then I'm, I'm here to listen. But as of right now, this seems like way too early. And, and I, I felt as in the sense that like too rapid. Yeah. You were uncomfortable. You're just really uncomfortable with taking it. Yes, exactly. Two other things we talked about. We talked about the Zomeda infusion. So Zomeda, you have to go back into the infusion room. It's only 15 minutes and it mitigates bone loss and reduces the risk of breast cancer recurrence in the bone. I had asked my oncologist about this and she doesn't believe in it. It's funny. I think it's all based on what your oncologist says because my oncologist says she doesn't believe in it. She says the studies are based out in Sweden and she doesn't think there's like enough information on it to prove. That's what mine said. But it's just, I think it all really depends on what your oncologist is comfortable with. And that's funny because my oncologist, she looks at the studies in Europe. Yeah. Obviously, it depends on what your oncologist believes in. A lot of people travel to Europe, like Germany, especially, I think, for treatment because they are, I wouldn't say ahead of us. I think they just do Mm -hmm. different studies and different types of treatments. And Mm -hmm, it's just, mm -hmm. yeah. So again, you have to talk to your oncologist about it, but I don't. I agree. It's not like a necessary infusion that needs to be done. No. It's only just an additional benefit is what we see it as. Yeah. The Zomeda infusion, you do it once every six months for three years. So six treatments in total. The side effects though, she's mentioned that about 15% get like flu-like symptoms that last a few days. You're tired. You have body aches. You mostly see that side effects within the first infusion. I'm going to talk about when I did my first infusion after this conversation that I had with my oncologist. So the last thing that we spoken about was, Shauna, I guess your oncologist told you that you were like cancer-free, whatever, blah, blah. And so I never really had that. She never like told me. So I was curious and I said, Dr. Master, am I NED? Um, which means no evidence of disease. Can you say that? Like I, I just wasn't sure what the protocol was. And she says, as of right now, there's no cancer that we can see. What it comes down to is that we don't see any cancer when we do like a physical exam or any physical evidence of cancer recurrence. So that's what she basically mentions that I have no evidence of disease. But she did mention that it doesn't account for microscopic disease, which is what we are trying to target with this medication. Just to wrap this all up, I had my Zameda infusion on February 25th, which is on a Friday. And I remember, I think I texted you, Shauna. I was like, this, you did this is the worst thing I've experienced. I said, like, it feels like I'm doing chemotherapy all over again, meaning like how I was feeling with the body ache. So when I was on chemotherapy, I had like really bad excruciating muscle aches. That's exactly how I felt with the Zameda. When you told me this, I was I, like, thank yeah, God, my oncologist no, is not on Yeah. <laughs> What the funniest thing was, and I think this is so stupid of me to do. So when I finished the Zameda infusion, 8 a.m. in the morning, by like, I don't know, one or two, I was like, oh, I feel fine. Like, this is, this is great. I don't feel any symptoms that they're saying. 
So I went on a long walk with Brian and then I was like, Brian, let's just like go out and <laughs> go to a restaurant, which was like like 15 minutes from where, where we live. And so I had a beer and then I had like ramen. <laughs> and then towards like 8 or 9 p.m., when I was walking back is when I really felt it. I was like, holy shit. I feel like the pain in my back. I feel so exhausted, so tired. <laughs> so I recommend, please don't do this. <laughs> don't do what I did. I felt like optimistic because I like literally, because I did it eight and then I was like, oh, by two, I was like, oh, I thought I would feel the symptoms, but no, it took like longer. And you're having soup. And you're having <laughs> yes. soup. Like I, in my head, I'm like, yeah, I'm having soup. I'm taking yes. care of myself. That's kind of where I want to stop my journey and my progress throughout, you know, these past seven months. What do you think has been helping you with those symptoms? Can you just like quick give off like a couple of tips that have just like yeah helped you? You think that you've helped. Yeah, that's helped you. Let me just say, so I I thought by just doing cardio, the knee pain would just go away which is not the case. So I realized that doing strength mm-hmm. training, it doesn't have to just be with weights. It could just be your own body weight. Um, really does help mitigate the pain that I have in, in my knees. And then also with hot flashes, limiting your alcohol, your caffeine, that's been helping. And I've been eating more vegetables. So I think that's also been helping as well. I have the opportunity to be in a study with UCLA looking into how to lessen the side effects when women are on the rheumatism inhibitor. And so it's not medication-based. It's only nutrition or exercise. So you get to be put in one of those. So I'm really excited to see how that does, but we can talk about that in another episode, potentially season three. Thank you all for listening and supporting our podcast. Sharing our stories with you has been incredibly healing for both of us, and we hope it helps other women in their journeys through breast cancer. Ladies, if you enjoyed this episode, please share it with your friends and fellow breasties. Help us reach more women by subscribing and rating us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and now on YouTube. You can follow us on Instagram at TYFTS Podcast and email us at TYFTS Podcast at gmail.com. We love hearing from you guys, so shoot us a message. We will link any resources from the episode in our show notes. 